1: Hello everyone and thank you for joining me. I'm Tracy Harris and this is At Home In My Head, the podcast that explores life in the cottage at Woodland Corners. A while ago I came across a thread where two of my Facebook friends were commenting in a sub-thread. I started reading and quickly became interested in the conversation. The thread dealt with media portrayals of gay men... And someone called out the portrayal of a particular character on a particular program as too stereotypical. One of my friends, Juan, identified with the character and considered himself to be a gay man in the category portrayed. He is also indigenous and lives in South America, which comes with its own set of social challenges. He was challenging the notion that he's too stereotypically gay and was engaging a woman on the thread who initially seemed interested in the conversation, but who shortly became hostile toward his message that portraying his traits this way is both hurtful and harmful. When the conversation became hostile, another friend of mine, Ryan, who I would describe as a dedicated ally, jumped in to act as a shield for Juan. He mainly showed his support by amplifying what Juan was saying. What I found interesting is that he was immediately accused of mansplaining, Let me just say that in the vast majority of cases where I've seen someone accused of mansplaining, it's legitimate labeling of what's happening. However, in this case, Ryan was merely amplifying a marginalized voice and shielding by stepping up to take some of the heat off Juan. Ryan was not in any way promoting himself or his views or treating the woman on the thread as if she was ignorant or unaware. He was, though, noting that she was dismissing Juan someone who deals with a great deal of marginalization in his life, and she was invalidating his expression of his own experience. I had to think long and hard if I wanted to address this, because mansplaining, like racism, is one of those labels that nobody wants to accept. Sometimes people can be incorrectly labeled, but mostly people are correctly labeled. And when someone is accused of something like this, the best advice I've ever heard is to listen and consider if the allegation is correct. And if you truly believe it isn't, then immediately apologized for coming across in a way that was ambiguous. It's especially important to consider that I actually may be acting a bigot when the person calling me out is in the group I'm addressing or discussing. It's always more likely that I'm not aware of some aspect of their life or experience than that they don't know what makes them feel marginalized or dismissed or denigrated. So acknowledging the rarity of incorrect labeling, I will say that I did not see the mansplaining in Ryan's response. And further, he didn't become defensive or lose track of the objective. He addressed the allegation with courtesy and grace, immediately acknowledging his privilege, in light of the fact that the person he was shielding Juan from was not only a woman, but also black, which made Ryan, as he described himself, the most privileged person in the room. He was in a precarious situation, feeling an obligation to shield Juan, but also to use care, awareness, and respect and how he did so, in light of the significant power imbalance that was contextually happening all around him. Initially, I had asked both Juan and Ryan if they'd be willing to discuss the exchange, especially since I know both of these men. But they had never encountered each other, that they remembered, until this event. Both of them said they would be comfortable talking about it with me. However, I ended up losing touch with Juan, and I was unable to engage him. We are still friends on Facebook, but he's been absent from social media for a while, and I finally decided that Ryan's story of how he handled his role as an ally that day was worth telling on its own merits. Meanwhile, if Juan ever does resurface, I will be more than happy to host his own story and experiences at any time. And with that, here's Ryan's story. attracted you to this particular post on social media and why did you decide to get involved
0: When I saw the post in question I kind of immediately recognized that this is probably something that's going to create some interesting conversations And uh, so that was what attracted me to it now the post itself was basically just a yeah a hot take uh, regarding what was described as a lesbian Christmas movie. So it's a movie that is essentially about uh, a lesbian couple, one of whom isn't out to her parents, and so they you know they under the trappings of getting together for Christmas, hijinks ensue, uh, misunderstandings uh, around uh, their relationship. I'm sure that it's fairly predictable based on the formula for a lot of Christmas movies, but with the Added a dimension that it's about a same-sex couple. All well and good. You know, a lot of the criticisms were pretty valid. But the one thing that caught my attention and also caught Juan's attention was when they described uh, one of the characters who was, I guess, kind of the, uh, the, the gay best friend character. They described him as too stereotypically gay you know, that certainly got my antennas up because that's probably not the kind of thing that an ally really wants to say about about anybody being represented from the LGBTQ community, right? And uh, and so this sort of made me start watching and, uh, and so there were a number of people who commented on that and many of whom kind of agreed and then a few who didn't. Uh, but Juan's comment in particular got my attention because he came at it from a sort of a more personal standpoint and he kind of pointed out that to, to describe a gay character as stereotypical or too stereotypical uh, was pretty hurtful because there are people and you know he included himself in this category who are very much like the character in question uh, and, the, and that uh, you know the character was played by uh, Dan Levy who um, if you don't know who that is, he plays um, David Rose on uh, Schitt's Creek wonderful show, and he also was the head writer and showrunner for *Shit's Creek. And, uh, you know, he has a particular kind of persona, which is basically based on himself. And so, as a few people pointed out on this thread, you know, the person in question was basically just playing a version of themselves. And so, to call them too stereotypical, well, you're calling Dan Levy too stereotypical, you know, and that's not good. And, you know, so Juan went on to talk about the fact that you know, as somebody who you know shares characteristics both with the character and with the actor himself, and plays uh, that that uh, that character, it's hurtful to him to hear people refer to characters like him as too stereotypically gay. You know, so there was initial pushback to this by the poster, and then other people kind of started getting involved, and one person in particular, who basically came at it from the perspective that well, it's okay to say that people are stereotypical because this particular type of gay person is overrepresented. And she kind of compared it to heavily accented foreign characters. It seemed initially like she was trying to understand Juan's point. But what really struck me and what made me get involved was when Juan kind of came back and said, you know, look, I understand that you're trying to be helpful, but... I just wanted to let you know that it's, it's really tiresome and it's, and it's a hurtful thing to hear. As much as you may be trying to help, it's not really helping. I thought that was a pretty intelligent uh, way to say that because this, to me, is where the discussion really needs to take a bend. You know, somebody is relaying their own personal experience to you, their lived experience as a representative of a marginalized group or any group. That's where you have to take a step back and stop trying to be right and. St- Start trying to understand and listen to what this person is telling you. You know, instead, the person that he was talking to decided to make this an attack against Juan. The, the line that she used was really uh, very hurtful. And where she basically said to him, if your little itty-bitty hurt feelings aren't tough enough to have these kinds of conversations, maybe you should seek psychological help or go elsewhere. I'll tell you, that was something that I, I certainly wasn't going to, to let lie because, you know, and it wasn't necessarily that Juan needed my help, but just as another human being in the room, I wasn't going to let that sit because that was just such a, such a cruel thing to say to anybody, and especially under the circumstances.
1: And what made you decide on the strategy you took at that point?
0: This is where the conversation took another interesting turn because, you know, the first thing that I said uh, in response to this itty bitty feelings comment was to basically call the person out because this is language that, to me, was so cruel and dismissive of another human being's uh, lived experience. You know, when we're talking about talking about something which is hurtful and specifically applies to that person's identity, it's just a really hurtful way to respond to that. I basically had said that um, it was just a really pretty really unnecessarily emotionless uh thing to say, but it really just came across as uh just really unnecessarily and sort of bizarrely mean, and especially considering that you know up to that point, you know the conversation had been um, you know civil, frustrating, certainly, but tonally civil this aggressor had been making a show of listening. And then, you know, one's response to me seemed uh, really kind of more courteous than was even deserved because he, he really gave her an out by saying that he, he recognized that she was trying to help, but he wanted her to know that, that it was having the opposite effect. He wasn't, wasn't mean about it. He wasn't, trying to be uh, specifically confrontational in that sense, he was just letting her know, this is how this feels. And for her to then turn around and basically say, well, f- fuck you and your itty-bitty feelings, go see a shrink, like, what an awful thing to say. Of course, this is not my first internet fight, so uh, it's not the first time this has been turned around on me, but you know, when I said that, really, I think the first thing that um, she said in response um, and she she identified herself as a black woman was to basically insinuate, or actually not to insinuate, to directly accuse both myself and Juan of mansplaining to her about her use of language. And she kind of put it like, she is a black woman, and this is the way she talks, and for us to criticize her for that was uh, somehow us being bigoted against her. This brings up a complicated issue. And it's a real thing that all of us uh, men have to uh, be mindful of, so that we we don't do it. Being condescending as a man t- to women, which unfortunately is so often how it how it comes across, is a is is a problem. And you know, and so you know, I certainly try to be mindful that I'm not doing that, and I, I will call other men on it when I see them doing it. But in this case, it seemed like it was more something that was being thrown out. To pretty much block the conversation, because you know, in this case, it was really more of a of a something that was said to invalidate everything else that that came after it, and particularly, you know, not just for myself, but to uh, to paint Juan with that brush was pretty harsh. Here, he is trying to explain how marginalization is happening to him and and to to his extended community have somebody else come along and suddenly make it about themselves uh, in a way that had nothing to do with that aspect. Certainly, you know, I understand as a black woman, I'm sure she encounters all kinds of discrimination. And that is absolutely something for me to be mindful of and something for one to be mindful of. But this conversation had nothing to do with that, Uh, you know, nothing at all. So, you know, I kind of pointed out the fact that you know, Yes, I am a man, you're right, and uh, that I also was recognizing that this issue has nothing to do with me, but it does have to do with want and what he's experiencing, and that's what I'm sticking up for, because regardless of what community you may come from, that doesn't give you license to marginalize somebody else.
1: You did a really incredible job of navigating what could have been a volatile situation considering your demographic. What was going through your mind when all this was happening?
0: There's another aspect to all of this that I kind of brought up, which is something that I I have a tendency to call out about myself, you know, pretty frequently because I think that it is uh it, it is it is a factor which needs to be recognized. And that is, you know, in this case this was a A conversation uh, essentially between one, a uh, a gay person of color, and a black woman. And then here I am, a uh, straight, white, cisgender man, kind of getting in the middle of it. And there's certainly an aspect to this which which speaks to my privilege in all of this. That, you know, like I say, I, I like to call out because I want it to be known that I'm aware of it. And specifically, that I'm aware that, you know, yeah, I, I am the most privileged person in most rooms. You know, not only am I white, straight, cisgender, and male, I mean, how much more privilege can you get? But I'm also Canadian. So I get free health care, you know, good social services, and, uh, you know, a country whose leaders are, you know, not quite as bent on destroying me as uh, some countries are uh, on, on them. And uh, so this all gives me uh, a lot of advantages that uh, a lot of people don't get to have. It's important that uh, I remind myself of that fact, that, you know, I get to do things and have things just by virtue of how and and where I was born, certainly uh, nothing that uh, I've earned that uh, give me a leg up. And in you know, in circumstances like these, just not a lot that most people can say to me to really hurt me. Sure, they can disagree with me, they can call me names, they can whatever. But really, from uh, from the perspective of me as an identity, there's really not much anybody can say that's gonna, that's going to have a, a deep effect on me, probably, at least certainly nothing that has to do with arbitrary aspects of, of who I am. Uh, but that's not the case for one. And it's also not the case for the person we were talking to. And so this is something that uh, I definitely needed to be sensitive to, and I did my best to be sensitive to. But, you know, I'm also aware that uh, my privileges give me, you know, some ability to use those, those things in defense of other people and in a way that benefits people who don't have the same benefits that I do. And in this case, that was one. Juan's basic identity as a, a gay man who has a specific set of characteristics was being attacked for no good reason. And so it wasn't my place to step in and speak on his behalf or to speak over him. And this is behavior that I've learned through the modeling of a lot of people, including yourself, Tracy, is the fact that as a person in this position, my job isn't to speak for other people but it is to listen and it is to amplify. And so I wanted to make it very clear to both both sides of this conversation that this wasn't about me. This was about Juan. And what I was sticking up for was the experiences and the, the feelings that he was conveying and that were being dismissed out of hand. And uh, And so that's what my focus was. It wasn't to try to tell anybody what Juan was feeling. It was to be a bit of a shield because I wasn't going to be hurt by this. You know, I was in a position where I was not going to be affected personally by this conversation. And so I was able to step in and be the the amplifier without taking blowback. I mean, it's a very, it's a position that I take for granted because for, for me, it's normal. It's honestly difficult, I think, for many people in Similar situ- situation to mine to put themselves in a position of somebody who doesn't get to do that uh, without taking hits because we've never taken those hits. Even as I'm saying this, I've certainly taken hits for various things in my life. About but there's something very unique about having your your identity attacked like that. I may never know what that feels like. All I can do is is listen to what. A person tells me they're experiencing and believe them and be a conduit for that and not for my own you know interpretation of what that means or what people should do about it or you know it's it's not about me and it's it's rarely about me you know that's an important thing for me to keep in mind and something that uh that i i really you know like i say i benefit from uh, from the modeling of a lot of people who are uh, more wise and experienced than me?
1: Is there anything else you'd like to add about the interaction?
0: I guess the last thing that I will say is that um, you know I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, to talk about this. So many of these conversations that happen in various places kind of happen and then they go away and they you know they end and you never really um, find out. What happened, or or how the other person or other people in the scenario were doing afterwards. And so I'm really thankful that you gave us a platform to talk about this. And you know, I I certainly look forward to hearing how Juan is doing. And uh, you know, after this conversation, Juan was relaying to me that you know he was really analyzing his own behavior and wanting to know if you know if he was the asshole or whatever. It's just such a such an amazingly generous. It's a it's a very generous impulse to take that kind of uh, abuse, honestly, and then afterwards go, you know, did I do something to make that happen? Did I hurt her in some way? Or, you know, did I say something wrong? And, you know, being able to reflect on those interactions and try to find whatever it is that maybe you can do better the next time, it's always a good thing to do. In this case, I really think that Juan was uh, exemplary in his patience and also just the way that he explained his position and his experience. It's not his fault that uh, he received abuse in response to that. I wished at the time that this conversation was happening on your page, Tracy, because by comparison, it's a much safer space. And it's a space where conversations can happen, but when people start to get abusive, you, you don't hesitate at all to call it down, shut it down, and support the people who, who have gotten the, the, the crappy end of it. And so, you know, I, I wished that was something that would happen, and unfortunately it didn't. I did the next best thing that I could think of to at least provide some some kind of a shield. It says a lot that both Juan and I, the first person that we thought of in relation to, you know, how the situation could have been better was you, and you know, and that's really something that you know I've mentioned you know before, just about how much I've benefited from the model that uh, you and and uh, and other people have provided. I've learned a lot, and I, I continue to learn a lot about what marginalization feels like, what it means to recognize my own shortcomings, to understand that I'm never in all likelihood going to be free from discriminatory thoughts or behaviors. But the quest to shut those things down and to delete those things from my programming whenever I can is a very worthwhile one. And so I'm glad to have had the chance to talk about this.
1: Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story.